Welcome to the Dharma Spring. So most of the time when I'm going to give a talk, I just kind of I wait and see whatever wants to be talked about. And you know, that can be a couple weeks ahead of time something like a seed lands and starts to grow and it's like, yeah, I think this is what wants to be talked about. Um, more often it's just a few days ahead. Some days it's the day of. I'm like, hmm, so what wants to happen? And um, earlier today I had a, a panel to be on, a multi-faith debate discussion thing. And I was thinking, well, nothing's coming to mind yet as of yesterday, but... Um, maybe something will come out of that panel, something interesting will, will come up because it's an interesting thing to be involved in. So I got done with that around noon and no, nope, there's still nothing. Um, and I liked it. It, it. it was nice. It is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there can be that thing of, oh, there's a talk to be given, I've got to come up with a talk and oh no, there's nothing coming, what am I going to talk about? But instead it's like, ah, good, I don't have anything to talk about. (laughs) Um, Reminding me of, for those who have participated in work in the room, you'll often hear the instruction or the encouragement. You know, even if you don't have anything on your mind that you want to talk about, come on down. You don't have to have anything to talk about. And it's really interesting to show up and say, I don't really have anything to talk about, and then we talk for 15 minutes about apparently nothing. (laughs) Um, Because you just don't know what's there. Whatever shows up, shows up. And the um, alternate version of that experience is knowing what you want to talk about and having it completely jump out of your mind from here to downstairs. <laughs> By the time you get in there and sit down, you're like, uh, I, had, I had stuff on my mind for all this morning, but I don't know where it is. It's like, okay, good. So what's on it now? <laughs> hmm. um, well, I did find, you know, wondering, huh, <laughs> what to do about this, if anything. Um, the phrase, a koan. Um, somebody asked the teacher, Matza, great ancestor Ma, um, what is Buddha? And he replied, this very mind is Buddha. And I found that floating up saying, this very mind that has nothing to talk about, that's a talk. <laughs> What I've been describing to you is a talk. You've been listening. (laughs) Um, It doesn't have to be profound. Uh, It's nice if it is sometimes, but maybe not. Maybe it's nice just to have a talk and to have a listen. Um, But I've been, so I noticed that floated up and I didn't grab onto it too strongly, just allowed allowed it to float around and and see what wants to happen there. um, Also noticed, there was a little remnant of, uh, there was the precepts up in the springs last Saturday 
that I intended to go to and wanted to say a few things at, but I didn't make it up there. And so a remnant from that also kind of floated in, and I think I'll talk about it a little bit this coming Saturday when I'm leading the precept class. Um, maybe. So those who come, that maybe will get a bit of a repeat. <laughs> but it's really, it, it comes down to this very mind as Buddha, both the remnant and, and that phrase. Like, well, exactly what is happening is Buddha. Buddha meaning awakening. Um, your very mind, what you're experiencing right now, is awakening. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be treated with, ah, this is awakening, and elevated, and, and um, given a nice soft pillow to sit upon. <laughs> You know, the the precept from last Saturday was about um, not misusing drugs, which is the old one older formulation of that is not getting drunk on the wine of delusion. And um, so that delusion bit and how drugs can be actual drugs or alcohol or television or anything that we use to kind of delude ourselves or escape from things, that kind of stuff. Um, whether we're choosing to or we're just engaged in the habit of delusion, um, even that is awakening. Even when you're deluded, that's awakening. It's um, Some may remember the commercials from a few decades ago where they had a and I bring this up a lot. Usually I bring it up in relation to koans, but now i found maybe this makes a little more sense, at least for tonight. Uh, <laughs> they um, had a hot frying pan ready to go, and they had an egg, and they said, this is your mind. Then they cracked the egg and threw it in the pan, it's frying. This is your mind on drugs. That was the commercial. It's getting fried. Um, I'd say my version is, you know, this is your awakening is the egg and throw it in the pan. This is your awakening in delusion. This is what awakening looks like when you're drunk. When you're stumbling along, you know. When you're angry and, and you're, you're uh, feeling rage, you're blinded by rage. Well, that's what awakening feels like in that state. Um, so it's not always a shiny, happy thing. Awakening manifests in fractured, broken ways, too. And we notice in those fractured, broken ways, it's a little more difficult to get along with things. And um, what we tend to do is say, well, those are problems. I need to get rid of them. And that's where we create the problem is by saying it's a problem. <laughs> that's just, what if you... We just allow that, well, this is how awakening feels when it's diluted, when it's blocked. doesn't mean it's not there, just like when the sun's, the sun's always shining. When there's a storm, clouds are covering everywhere, the sun is still shining behind them. It's just, this is what the sun looks like when it's blocked by clouds. When the clouds are scattered, it looks a little different. And even at night... We might say, well, the sun's not shining then, but if you look at the moon, you know the sun's shining. 
because there it is reflecting back to you. So even in the darkness, the sun is still shining. And you, know, you can say, well, well, what about the new moon? It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't know that there was a moon, new moon if there wasn't. Yeah, you know, we could go down that road. <laughs> so awakening is always here, and it's just manifesting in different ways. Um, and this is something that we come as far as the delusion bit being awakening. These are in teachings from ancestors and, you know, in our tradition as well, where it will say a few times in different places, Dawei is one ancestor I think of, but I don't know exactly what he says. But basically they say, delusion is enlightenment, enlightenment is delusion. And notice what we tend to do, we humans, who have these stories about when I'm fractured and broken, something's wrong, and I need to get better. When we hear delusion is enlightenment, we can spin it around and try to make it into, well, what he's really saying is, because we are deluded, we have the ability to wake up and not be deluded anymore. So it might be saying, delusion, within delusion are the seeds of awakening, of enlightenment. But if you look at the words, that's not what it says. It says delusion is awakening, enlightenment, and vice versa. So what about that? <laughs> if we're not saying we're going to finally get rid of delusions one day, because they're planting the seeds of our awakening, instead of just saying, well, there's the contrast. When I feel deluded, and then I feel clear, I know how the difference, how different that feels. It's not saying one is better than the other um, fundamentally. It's just saying, this is what it's like when it's like this, and this is what it's like when it's like this. I don't know that it's even saying which do you prefer, although we do, I, I have a preference. I like the more clear, well, maybe. <laughs> I say those things, I have to look like, I don't know, delusion's kind of fun sometimes. Um, <laughs> Being an idiot is good sometimes. Uh, <laughs> mm. So I don't know. Do we tend to say... That's, that's for each of us to look at. Do we tend to say it needs to be the clear, bright, shiny stuff? Um, that's the better version? I might just notice, you know... If I get out of my inner world and inner experience, I just notice how I interact with the world. It seems to be a little more ease and comfort in relationship to others when I'm not coming so much from the place of delusion. Um, but I can kind of just trust those movements to take care of themselves um, and not have to manage it too much and try to encourage the, the ease and the flow and the bright, shiny stuff and discourage the other stuff. I think there's a different move that, that we do here. Um, so I, wanted to, I was looking at that. I want to look at that, you know, delusion is awakening. Awakening is delusion. So what I don't advocate is that we carry that around as a mantra, um, as an affirmation. 
Because on one level, we can just convince ourselves that, hey, just as I am, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and we kind of can numb ourselves to our experience with others and the world and internally. And that doesn't seem a helpful thing to do. Nor is it like the affirmation to try to convince ourselves, even though we doubt it. You know, if I just say it enough, even this is awakening. Even this is awakening. Even this is awakening. And trying to convince ourselves of that, that doesn't seem to be helpful either. Um, two <laughs> things came to mind. The first was, that's like trying to put shellac on dog shit. Um, and I was wondering, why would anybody do that? <laughs> so why did that come to mind? But then I, I thought about it, and um, it's trying to make something shiny and you know pretty out of something that's kind of gross and nasty. So to use that as an affirmation when we're in a deluded state to say, this is awakening, is to shellac dog shit. Um, which might be nice not to have the dog shit to step in and stuff, but, you know, when you step in dog shit, you really know it, yeah? And it's like, oh, God. That's the, uh, the treasure <laughs> of delusion, is, uh, is a stench of dog shit. Welcome <laughs> to our strange conversation. <laughs> um, so to shellac it is to cover it over and, and to get rid of its essence. And we don't want to do that with our delusions and with our hindrances. We don't want to try to make them into pretty things. They're not pretty. We want them to be what they are, stinky and squishy, in this case. <laughs> um, well, the other end, I thought, well, it's also, maybe we bake a nice pie, and it really tastes good, and we're like, I did such a great job, so we take a piece of the pie and then we shellac that to preserve it and say, oh, I want to remember this pie, and here I have this covered by shellac, and I can't taste it anymore. That's no good. I'm trying to preserve it and hold on to it, but I've taken away the joy of the pie, which is to have it disappear into my belly. <laughs> and, um, well... If I was a dog, you know where it ends up. <laughs> hmm. So that would be the affirmation and the convincing ourselves that everything we do is awakening would be putting a gloss and a shininess or preserving things that don't need to be preserved or to be made shiny. We, that's not what we... I don't think we should do that. Um... Rather, there's already things we've convinced ourselves of that I think we need to unconvince ourselves of. And a common thing we've convinced ourselves is that, well, it's, we've devalued ourselves and our experiences. We've convinced ourselves that we're not it, yeah? And then on the other end, we've created an ideal state, or maybe somebody else has imparted to us this ideal state that we're then trying to pursue. And we've convinced ourselves that that's it. So, to a certain degree, for each of us, we've convinced ourselves of this. Maybe it's loosening up and not, not as big of a deal, but <coughs> it's, to me, what, what do we do about that? Um, what we've already convinced ourselves, 
And it doesn't make sense. You know, here we have convincing ourselves of something negative and convincing ourselves of something positive. It makes no sense to replace that with another kind of convincing. <laughs> to take off what we've convinced is, to me, to level the field. So when we stop devaluing ourselves and our experiences and our humanness, we raise it up, or allow it, really. <clears throat> it feels like a raising up. <clears throat> Because we've been pushing it down and holding it, holding it there and trying to discard it and get rid of it. But I think it just it is allowed to rise up to its natural place on the level ground before us. So we're not raising it and elevating it to, oh, this is okay, that would be that convincing and shellacking business. We're just letting it be what it is. And it finds its own value and its own level of... of uh, being. And then uh, likewise, by unconvincing ourselves about the ideal states, the awakened things, the shiny stuff, we allow it to fall back down to the ground right here in front of us. It could be side by side with the other stuff or maybe they're just one stuff. <laughs> they are just one stuff. Um, And there's nothing to convince ourselves of there. There's nothing to do. It's really to undo. And it seems to me that that's a good beginning um, to stop pushing down and, and raising up and just you know bringing this equality to things right here. Not a level ground, but a, a a vibrant equality. Equanimity, that might be another equanimity, another version of equanimity, rather than um, meaning meeting all things equally, it might be allowing all things their sovereignty, their, their existence, um, equally across, across the fields, across the territory. And so... When we allow that, or disallow, whatever we do, <laughs> when we undo and we stop spending our energy reaching for what isn't here and pushing away what is here, well, we can be with what is here and then we have that energy freed up to engage with life more fully. And to me, that's, the, um, that's when we start the realization of awakening making it real, carrying our awakening in its jumbled, tripping, falling-on-its-face sometimes state and its dancing, joyful, everything's bright and easy state, carrying that along, our energy no longer resisting it, energy engaging and helping and moving into the world, is how we make it real endlessly, over and over. So realizing our awakening. Um, It's a very active, dynamic happening. It, it's not a place you land, really. It's, it's that relationship to life, relationship to ourselves and to the world, um, to the dog shit and the pie. Yeah.
So this very mind, your very mind, as it is right now, you know, put a word, if you want to, on what your experience is right now. And that is Buddha. Yeah. Um, you know, my mind earlier that was rehashing the, the, the panel, and, oh yeah, I could have said this and that, oh, and that was good, you know. <laughs> That was Buddha. That was my awakening. And then thinking, oh, it's going to be another year before I can go back and <laughs> say these things if I need to. Well, that's, that's it too. Um. So notice what it's like to walk your awakening around without saying, I'm walking my awakening around. <laughs> but notice the tendencies that may come up when you bump up, you know, you stub your face on something, you might, you might say. You know, those experiences. Not just uh, slamming your finger in the door or something, it's BAM! Notice the stories that might kick in about, oh, I'm such a, and all this kind of stuff. What if you let those go? What if uh, you just notice, oh, hello, stories, but, you know, there's nothing really fundamentally wrong with stubbing my face. <laughs> I like my new phrase, stubbing my face. Um, and in those moments where things feel, ah, just right, and the stories come up of, now I've got it, all that kind of stuff. What if you say, nah, and just enjoy what is happening without trying to hold on to it and make it into anything. Take the, any kind of meaning, negative or positive, away from it. <clears throat> or you might notice you're, you're surprised because, huh, no stories coming up, when there always used to be a story coming up. Well, that, that would be nice. I think it is nice. I think we know those moments from time to time or maybe regularly. Um, you know, we have these big words, enlightenment, nirvana, awakening, and stuff. And they're only big because we make them into big words. And assign them value and um, all of that business. And so I was thinking, one of my favorite... Uh, hmm, a translation... A, of the Heart Sutra. It's just a phrase, and you're actually, you're taking it up. Red Pines? Yeah? Um, it's from his, but this is from when he came to town a few years ago, and he did a talk on the Heart Sutra, and he had a, a, a sheet listed with his translation that's in the book, but then he writ, he writ, <laughs> he had written, or he wrote, like a, a, here's another version of it, or the subtext to that version. And there's a part that says, in the book, it's along the lines of, you know, we see through the walls of our mind, we see through the things that our mind creates, and finally delusion, or finally nirvana. <laughs> so we see through the walls of our mind, and eventually we see through nirvana. And in the subtext, he says, nirvana, the ultimate delusion. <laughs> this idea that there's this nirvana out there and it's going to be a certain way that's a delusion 
It's the ultimate delusion. And we can, when we can see through that, ah, that uh, etymologically, nirvana means, well, the, the, the term means to, to cease and to stop. And people have associated it with the end, like when you die, nirvana. But it also can happen in the middle of your life, in the teachings and stuff. So we have the nirvana, then the ultimate, the pari nirvana of the Buddha, the ultimate nirvana. But, so the good news is you don't have to wait till you die <laughs> for nirvana. The better news is that it's just a delusion anyway. <laughs> but um, to realize it in the midst of your life, going to the, the etymology of it, is it means, has a sense of when the fever breaks. And so I trust you've been sick. <laughs> you've had a fever and you've been in that uh, feverish state and kind of un, unsettled. Just, you know, whatever that is for you. But when the fever breaks and you go, ah. <laughs> I think that's also that moment of no longer pushing and raising and all that. Just kind of let it be and ah. Nirvana. The delusion of it right here in front of me, you know. You just ease into this. And that fever state of trying to figure our lives out and figure ourselves out and solve the problem that we actually aren't. That fever breaks. And then... Again, that's the beginning. Then we get to engage in life in a different way. And again, engage in the endless, ongoing realization of our awakening. Or of awakening itself, of which we are a part. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's what's not on my mind tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.